Okay, we are in Matthew chapter 21 and reading from verse 20. Matthew chapter 21, reading from verse 20. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, How did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. Remember the first time that I really started meditating on this portion. Really started thinking and meditating on this portion. I was, it was in 1993. And I was on my knees and I was in a hotel room in, at Purdue University. I had been invited back to, to speak and to give a seminar. I was, was an assistant professor and, and I was really nervous because I had to speak before my mentor, the person with whom I had gotten my degree and, uh, um, you know, he always, always spoke poorly. Well, I wouldn't say poorly. He never spoke well of the work that the people did for him. You know, it was never, never risen up to his level, he said. And so, you know, I didn't know what, he, what was going to happen. Now I was coming back on my own. And I remember praying in the, in the room because the Lord started to raise my faith through this portion. And I remember praying, Lord, make it the very best seminar ever at Purdue University in that department. Now, that department is many, many years old. I don't don't know, 100 years old, 80 years old or something. And then I started questioning the Lord. I said, how am I going to know that it's really the best seminar? And I prayed that, that Lord, if it's the best seminar, let it be called a super seminar. Let Let my boss say that it was super. And he was never never known to use that word much and I but anyway I left it at that when I gave the talk I knew that God had anointed and God had filled but I still didn't know it was the best and then as soon as I got done that Japanese professor of mine stood up on the front row when I got done and he said super super <laughs> and I remember I had prayed that he would say it was a super seminar I walked over, there was this Nobel Prize winner in the audience, H.C. Brown. And I had known Professor Brown when I was a student, and he had received the Nobel in, uh, in 1985, somewhere around there. And I remember going to him and thanking him for coming to the seminar. And he, all, in, he sat in the same chair every seminar, using the same seat in the seminar room that I had remembered him using when I was a graduate student there. And I went to shake his hand, and... Uh, he said, I want to tell you, that was the best seminar I've ever seen in my life. You know, and the guy was like 85 years old at the time. And I said, well, that's very kind of you to say that. And he said, I'm not saying it to be kind. I really mean it. And, you know, God confirms his word. And, you know, you read this portion and it says, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you not only do what was done to the fig tree, But even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. And I look back over my life. You know, I've prayed for many things. 
You know, there are some things that I've asked. So, for example, I've prayed that people would live when they were sick with cancer, and they haven't lived. But they have lived. They have lived forever. You know, I tried to think back over things that I've prayed for. And let's just keep your finger there. Turn a few few chapters back to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. Now, Matthew chapter 7, verse 8, For everyone who also... For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him... I'm sorry. When he asks for a loaf, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? Look what it says. It says that He will give what is good to those who ask. If you ask for a loaf, you're not going to get a stone. If you ask for a fish, you're not going to get a snake. God will give what is good to those who ask Him. And here, in Matthew chapter 21, it says that we should ask. Jesus encourages us to ask. You say, does it really work? You know, there are things that I have asked for in my life. And I, as I was planning this, this teaching over the week, and in fact, this portion I've been reading for the last several weeks, trying to plan for this. And as I was planning, I was thinking... You know, there are things that I prayed for. I'll tell you, once I prayed for something called the Waterman Award. The Waterman Award is an award that's given by the National Science Foundation for a researcher under the age of 36. And it, it's one award, and it goes, you know, to an engineer, it goes to a biologist, and it kind of rotates around. And the year for chemistry was coming up. They don't say this year it will be given in chemistry, but it was, had been like five years since a chemist had won this. So... It was like perfectly timed for me. You know, I, was, I was 35, and I had been planning and praying for this since I was 34. Just totally planning and praying for this thing. This Waterman Award from the National Science Foundation. And I, I got the list of people that people have to write you recommendation letters. So I got the most famous people I knew to write the letters of recommendation. And just trying to get everything in line for this. And praying and... and uh, that year, indeed, I was correct. It went to a chemist, but it didn't go to me. And I prayed specifically for that. And so you say, well, God is going to give it to you another year. No, I, I soon became older than 35, and it was no longer available. So I, that, the availability of that award went away. And I really scratched my head about this. I don't know if you've ever prayed for something and you didn't get it and you, you kind of read this verse and you go, does this really apply? Does it really work? And I remember scratching my head over this. And as I have been thinking over the past couple of weeks, I know the person who got that award that year. He was a friend of mine. And I know what it did to his research because what it does is it gives you half a million dollars. Half a million dollars sounds like a lot. 
you know, when you're at that stage in your career and you don't have to write all these proposals frantically all the time because you get this half million dollar grant, which is, I think it's $100,000 a year for five years, which at, the, at that age may seem really good, but you hit a certain level and $100,000 is really not much. And as I look back, I have received in grant money many, many, many times more than that without that little award. And what that may well have done was put me in a mode of settling back because I had even skipped writing several grants thinking, this is really going to come through because I am praying so hard about this thing. God had something better for me. It says that if you ask for a loaf, he's not going to give you a stone. He's going to give you often something better than what you even ask for. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, He gives beyond what we are able to ask or even think. He gives beyond what we ask or think. And, you know, I've thought about this. I've really thought about this. I got a much better wife than what I deserved. In fact, when I, early on in, in, when I became a believer, every young Christian woman that I would meet, I was, would think... Lord, is this the one? Not like, you know, I was infatuated with her. But God knew what was best for me. And He held Shireen to the right time for me. I didn't know what the future was going to hold. I didn't know that, you know, I was going to have this ministry to college students, that I would really enjoy having them to my home, and that I would want a wife that would really enjoy this too. You know, very few women can do what my wife does. I mean, they may be able to prepare a meal once. Or maybe twice. But week after week for seven years? And, you know, things get... You, you know, I know you, you come into the house and you leave and you think it's all the same. I mean, things get kind of... You know, there's footprints all over and stickiness all over. And this just happens when you minister to people. And she so graciously just does this. I had no idea. You know, God intercedes uh, because uh, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Prayer is a much higher form of asking than just getting exactly what you've asked for. God takes the request and filters it through what He knows about us and what will ultimately be best. What kind of terrible God would give us everything that we ask for just as we ask for it? Reminds me of the hardware store owner. There were two hardware stores in town. The hardware store owner, he, he had a competitor a few miles down the road who owned another hardware store, and he was always trying to compete with this guy, and he really resented the guy. And as he was cleaning his hardware store, he found this old bottle... And he was cleaning it, and he was wiping his, hand, his, his rag on it, and all of a sudden a genie popped out. And the genie said, I will grant you one wish, but whatever I give you, I'm going to give twice as much to your competitor. So he thought for a moment, and he said, I wish I were blind in one eye. What kind of terrible God would give us everything that we ask for? Because we can be really wicked in the things that we ask for. Really selfish. Really mean in the things that we ask for. 
It would be a terrible world if God granted to every believer everything they asked for in the timing that they asked for it. What God does is He filters this. And He says, is this really what you want? The young woman praying that this young man would be her husband. And God says, you're asking for, you want a husband, but you're asking for a loaf. This is not the guy that you want. This is not the one. You're asking for a husband, but the guy is really a snake. It says that he gives good gifts. Doesn't God know how to give what is good to those who ask him? We think that this is what I want, this is what I need. And God says, you don't understand I know what's in that person's heart. I know the depth of sincerity in their heart. And they're not the right one for you. God is able to distill all of this down. And to know the essence of what's there and what's there over time. We can't see into the future. We don't know. God knows precisely because He lives in the future. The past, the present, and the future are all alike to God because once you pull yourself out of the dimension of time, it is all there before you. And God knows. And God is putting all this before us. The whole dimension is before God. And He is able to see into the future. Are we getting some feedback? Are we okay? All right. Um, Because let me know. I'll I'll pull this thing back a little bit. Maybe that will solve it. Um, But God sees into the future and He knows what is best. When we pray that a person would live because they're ill, I do this all the time. I have had a lot of people die that I've prayed for. So if you're sick, think twice about having me come and pray for you. Because a lot of people that I've prayed for have died. But Jesus said, He who lives and believes in me shall live even if he dies. And he who believes in me shall never die. So in another sense, they're still very much alive. Very much alive. I think back to some of the hardest times in my life. And the hardest times that we've had as a family when things came against us as a family. And we would pray. We were praying for certain things and we didn't get them. But I have seen the work that God has done in my heart in Shireen's heart, and in my children's heart, as a result of our not getting the very thing that we had prayed so hard for. God has done a much richer work in our lives, a richer work of forgiveness, of walking in compassion. It says God gives good things to those who ask Him. Look in, in, keep your finger there, but look over in, in, in Psalm chapter 37. We mentioned this psalm last week, and this is apropos to what we're speaking about today. Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This verse is remarkable. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. What could be a corollary to this? Don't delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. 
And the desires of your heart will be very wicked. Imagine if we had the desires of our heart without having the delight in the Lord. What is the desire of the heart of man? What is the desire of the heart of a woman? It is so self-centered. It is selfish. It desires just that which is for themselves. It is never enough. Never is it enough. I know unbelievers, and whatever they have, it is never enough. No matter how much of a house, no matter how many cars, no matter what they have, it's never enough, never happy, never satisfied. You delight yourself in the Lord, and He changes your heart so that you know what to desire. And then He fills it. Without delighting ourselves in the Lord, our hearts are so terribly wicked. And should God grant us the desires of our heart, it would be a very miserable life. Because I get that very thing. And you know, being without something is not, is not the painful thing. It's getting the very thing we've lusted for and then finding that it's brought no fulfillment at all. This happens a lot to people in relationships. A lot of times to married couples. And this is the picture. The man and the woman start having some, some friction in the home. And the guy meets some woman at work, his secretary or someone there, who kind of appreciates him and really thinks he's something. And his wife doesn't think much of him anymore. And so things aren't going very well at home. And this woman appreciates him a lot at work. And he's thinking, if I could just have this woman at work, then I would be really happy. Then I would be really satisfied. I'd be a much happier person. Life would be so much better. So he ends up, through a series of events, trashing his family, and he ends up marrying this other woman. And after five years, he finds himself in the very state he was in five years earlier with this other woman. This is exactly what happens again and again. Happens to women too. Women think, oh, my boss appreciates me. My husband doesn't appreciate me. My boss is so nice to me. My husband isn't this nice to me. Trashes the marriage, marries the boss, only to find five years later the boss is now sleeping around with someone else at work and finding that life hasn't gotten any better. The thing we lust for when we get it and finding out that there is no fulfillment there, that is the ultimate of misery. God is able through prayer, once He gets a hold of our heart, to desire, He causes us to desire the right thing and He gives us that which is good. We pray for the wrong thing and He filters it down. He says, I hear your prayer. It's not the right time for you because it's going to mess you up. It's going to cause you to kind of become lethargic in your work. And you're not going to write enough grants now. But I will give you that grant money many, many times over. And all the accolades and all the praises of that, of that award in other ways. I will give it to you in the proper time. I will give it to you. I couldn't see it at that time. You know, all I could see was, you know, that right there. You know, Age 35, that's all I could see. But God knew that a decade later, what would be important and what there was. And that's what God does. Thank God that He is not such a terrible God that He gives us precisely what we ask for at the very moment we ask for it. 
Because then we would become really selfish and really bitter. But we have a God that takes this and filters it all. And says, I hear you, my child. I've got something really good in store for you. Trust me with the proper timing. Trust me with the proper relationship. I know what's right. This verse is so true. That's the only way you can look at it. Is that if you have faith and don't doubt, God will move mountains in your life. And he will take this hardness of our hearts that is like a stone-cold mountain. And he will soften it up. And he will move it out of the way. And allow the grace of God to come shining through. So that when he gets a hold of our hearts, our desires change. You know, I, I tell Shireen all the time, you are the most selfless per- person I have ever met. Don't I tell you that all the time, Shireen? <laughs> this woman lives to give to other people. 25 years we've been married, just about 25 years, I've never heard her say a mean thing about anyone. I mean, how can you have a person like that? Is this normal? You know, how, how can you be like that? I mean, I've made up for it plenty. Don't worry. (laughs) And this is what God has graced me with. Only God knew. I didn't know this. I didn't. All I saw was this very attractive young lady who had a precious spirit. That's all I saw. I didn't know the depth of what was there. God knew. God knew. God knew what to do. In bringing us together. And I am so thankful. But I used to spend many hours on my knees saying, God, give me the right spouse. God, give me the right spouse. And God heard all of that. And he says, I will take care of it. You know, Shireen had seven proposals. Seven. Before mine. Seven. And and it's just amazing. And in fact, when I went to my pastor to tell him what was on my heart, he said, oh, do you know where her father has gone? He's just gone to New York City to get proposals for her because in their culture, that's what they do. Father goes out and meets these different families. The proposals start coming and then Shireen then has the opportunity to choose upon among all these suitors. And when I heard she had seven proposals, I was like, there's no chance. You know, I'm not from Pakistan. I don't, you know, I don't know how to do things that Pakistani men do. And these were all, you know, from her culture. And the pastor, you know, don't worry, God's will, let it be done. And God knew, God knew what was right. These decisions that mean something to you, you learn to get on your knees and ask God and allow Him to work and to move. Concerning your career, I had no idea that I would enjoy teaching as much as I do. I really love teaching. And I know I hum and ha and say I want to work myself out of a job, blah, blah, blah. It's all lies. I really enjoy teaching. And I dislike the administrative things. And I've, I've tried to get out of them as much as possible by proving my utter incompetence. <laughs> but still it doesn't work because there's equally incompetent people like me in the university, so they take what they can get. But... Only God knew that I would enjoy it so much and research and graduate I had no idea. I wanted to go into forensic science and work in a crime lab. That's what I wanted to do, you know, and you know, examine hairs all day that had fallen down and 
little specks of blood and flesh and things like this. This is what I wanted to do all day. I would have hated that. I am so glad I'm not into that. But God knew, and He ordered my career. If you pray, God will order your career. I am one of the very few Americans that absolutely loves His work. I love it. For me, being in my office is therapeutic. I love it. You know, I just enjoy being there. I love, you, you know, the research and the thinking about these things and the interacting with my graduate students. To me, this fulfills me. God knew that. I didn't know it. God knows what would fulfill you in your life. If you would learn to pray about your career, to pray about the job offers, to pray about the market before you, God will order this and he will take care of it. God knows what to do. When I was a senior in college, I was praying to go onto the mission field, and I was applying to different mission organizations, and I thought I'd apply to graduate school, I'd apply to mission organizations, and God began to move me toward graduate school, even through the mission organizations, encouraged me to go to graduate school. And then when I was in graduate school, I started these ministries to international students, and just the people that I was touching and the number of people that I was touching was far more than most missionaries would ever get the opportunity to touch. And God knew what I would like because it says that He fulfills the desire of my heart. He placed desires in my heart and God was about fulfilling them. That's what God will do if we'll seek Him in prayer. Let's move on. Matthew chapter 21, verse 23. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? And Jesus said to them, I'll also ask you one thing, which, if you tell me, I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was that what was the source, from heaven or from men? And they began reasoning among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? If we say from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus is remarkable. Jesus understands the Jewish mindset, the scholarly Jewish mindset, to this day is the same way. They think about everything, the, the different results of what's going to come from these decisions. They've learned this from the scriptures, they've learned this from the Talmud, and they sit around and they discuss these things. And when you talk with a Jew, it's like this. Could we just get to the point here? And You know, they're just weighing all these different... It's it's part of their training. And in fact, I think that that's why often it makes them very good scientists. They're just very analytical minds. And Jesus knew. I'll ask them, what do you think about John? Because if they say from heaven, Jesus would say, then why don't you believe him? It's from the same source. You want to know by what authority? It's right there. But we're afraid of the people. We can't say from John. You know, because we we, we can't say it wasn't wasn't from heaven because we're afraid of the people. So they weighed it. So all they could do is say, we don't know. Jesus said, fine, I'm not going to tell you. Remember, Jesus had already had the policy of disengagement by this time with the Pharisees because of the, the, uh, uh, the unpardonable sin as we had discussed in Matthew chapter 12. And so... When they pushed this thing, Jesus knew how to become disengaged from them. But the key here is authority. Jesus had authority from his Father. Jesus says in the end of Matthew, he says, says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. 
That's what he said. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All authority has been granted unto him. And he grants it to those who walk according to his will. And not just for evangelism. He grants authority in careers. He grants authority in the home. He grants authority in the workplace, in speaking. I go out on speaking engagements. It is so much fun to speak on non-Christian topics with the authority of God. It's pretty presumptuous. No, it's pretty scriptural. God grants authority. And I pray, God, fill me, use me, hit them with the Holy Spirit, even as I speak on this topic. And God does that, and people see something different. They come up to me, there's something different about you. It's God. It's the authority that God gives. And it's not just for me, it's for you. If you believe it, if you take it by faith that, yes, Jesus said, all authority on heaven and on earth, in heaven and on earth, has been granted unto me. It all belongs to Jesus. Everything belongs to Him. And He will grant that to you for your career, for your work, for your school, to accomplish whatever task He has for you. This is not just for being a preacher. I love the fact I am not in full-time ministry, that I'm not a preacher. If I were a, a, a pastor or something, I'd have to be really nice. And I can be a professor and just be myself, and people think, oh, well, you know, it's understandable, he's a professor, all professors are grumpy. I can just be myself. I don't have to smile all the time and act like I'm somebody that I'm not. I enjoy the fact that I can see the hand of God in my life, in my ministry, in my work, in my career. And I'm not a full-time minister. Because He grants authority. Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want to be able to talk to somebody and say, I have the authority of God to feel this thing. And that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. I say wrong stuff all the time. That means I've just stepped out from under His authority and Jim Tour has come through. All the mistakes are mine. If there's anything good, it's Him. But He grants authority. You be, you're placed in positions you absolutely don't deserve in life. Why? Because you get promoted. Somebody has to fill this spot, and generally you're promoted in the places you really don't deserve. I don't deserve the office that I have. I don't deserve the office furniture I have. I have American cherry furniture. When I came to Rice, they had me meet with a, with a furniture guy, and he says, you know, he showed me all this stuff. What would you like? And, and the, the, the table, the desks were made for my office. That round table was specifically cut for my office at the right size. And he says, what kind of wood? And I look at this is nice wood. He says, that's American cherry. I said, he said, okay, you can have that. I mean, I don't deserve this. My couch, you know, he said, you want a couch in here? Yeah. What do you want? I said, leather. You got it, leather. I said, I have a leather couch. I mean, most professors have metal desks and, and hard chairs. I mean, I got, a, I got a leather chair, leather couch. My chair reclines, goes back. and does all these things. I absolutely don't deserve this. God gives us again and again things we don't deserve. He places us in positions of authority. And if we walk with Him, we have the very authority of God with whatever He's given us. You will feel inadequate. The day your first child is born, you'll feel like, uh-oh, I'm not sure I'm equipped to be a parent. But God will give you what you need for the situation. He grants authority. He grants authority to speak. Who am I? I used to go, as a student, I would go around the 
the student center and share with other students about Jesus. And if I'd see a professor there, I'd go, let me share with him. Some of these professors would say the meanest things. You know, hey, you Christians... But, you know, I felt I'd been authorized by God to do this. And I'd just give it right back to him. I'd just say, look... I have a right to speak about this. You don't want to hear it? Fine, I'll go away. But I have as much right to speak about this as you do to tell me that you don't want to hear about it. <laughs> that was it. You know, the guy goes sucking his thumb that he had gotten spoken back to. You know, but I was just telling him the truth. God grants us authority. He gives to us. He gives these things to us. He is gracious. You can walk in the very authority of God if you believe it for the tasks that He's called you to. And that doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. You make mistakes all the time. And if there's mistakes, it's not with God, it's with you. It's with me. So you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I blew it. Yet again, today, for the third time, please forgive me. And then you get up and you go on. I'm telling you, I make so many blunders, so many mistakes. I stick my foot in my mouth so many times. You'd think that Everybody would say that I'm not a Christian. But you just go on, because God grants authority. The beautiful thing is that He wants us to begin to to have our hearts remain continually soft. Look in this last portion, in chapter 21, verse 28. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. The second son said the same thing, and he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said, Truly I say to you that the tax collectors and the prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterward, so as to believe him. You know, this, this was really sharp to say to the Pharisees, that the tax collectors and the prostitutes are getting into heaven before you. I mean, this is really tough. These are strong words. You know, my mother, her classic line when she first read the New Testament, I asked her to read the New Testament when I first got saved. She was not a believer. She read it. And I said, what did you think of that? She said, I don't blame them for killing Jesus because of the things that he said. And that's exactly where you should come out. You know, if you really read the New Testament sincerely, you say, who is this, you know, 35-year-old guy to be saying this kind of thing to the religious establishment? Well, he had the authority of God. But then when he says, the example he uses, he says, there's one kid who says, I'm not going to serve you. But then he turns around and serves. The other kid says, okay, I'll serve you. And they end up not serving. He says, the first one did the will of his father. There is always opportunity for repentance and turning to God. Always opportunity. If you will repent and turn to God, you will do the will of God. What he says to the Pharisees is, when you saw these prostitutes and these tax collectors, their lives changing and you didn't repent in turn, that was the big evil. If you've never accepted the Lord in your life, if you've never asked Him in, you need to do that. There isn't any other way to the Father but through Jesus Christ. 
And if this word keeps coming to you, and you keep rejecting it, you're not going to get in. Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. That means the vast majority of people are going to destruction. Let's move it slightly. Let's move the argument slightly. Let's not put it based on salvation. Let's put it based on the joy of service. You have an opportunity to serve God. Will you serve Him? Will you begin to serve Him? And remember, He'll always catch you in things. If we rebel against Him, He'll always be there. You know, the pastor was speaking today about, you know, every year at this time they speak for three weeks on on the budget and on tithing. Three weeks, that's it. Three weeks a year they speak on this thing. And always at this time people get antsy. Let me tell you something that happened a number of years ago. There were a bunch of, uh, uh, there were several students that, that, that got all kind of antsy about this sort of thing, and they left. You know, they said, you know, the church is always asking for money, and I knew what was going to happen. Oh, did I know. Because I've seen this happen. It always happens. The church is having a building program. All right? So, churches have building program. We're like in the third phase of our building program. So, in the first phase, a long time back, they were having a building program. And so, they, they, they started... You know, saying, we need, we need to raise money. And if your church doesn't have a building program, I'm telling you, your church is dying. They've got to build. If they're not growing, they're dying. And you don't want to be part of that church. So, all these students felt kind of bumped out. Not, not, not all, but a bunch of them felt bummed out. And they started going to this other church. And I knew what was going to happen. And it was only a matter of months. And that church started having a building program. And I had warned them, wherever you go, it's going to follow you. The building program will follow you unless you begin to deal with your life and learn how to give freely to the point where you don't feel convicted if somebody should mention it. It's going to follow you. It's absolutely going to follow you. It always does. Because God's working on your heart. And it's not because the church thinks the college students, that's the way to get the money for the building program. Yes, college students. Now we're really going to clean up. Not at all. That $5 that you give is for you. It's for your heart. God is dealing with your heart. The $5 does very little toward the building program of this church. It really does very little. It's for your heart. And remember, unless you learn to give freely to building programs, they will follow you wherever you go. You will always have a pastor in your face because God's dealing with our hearts. Happens all the time. He deals with the heart. And then at some point, we're going to have to give up and say, Yes, Father, I'll go serve you now. Yes, I'll put my name down for the building program. I'll give my $5 every week for the building program. And I'll do it. And then, then you God will lighten up on you. Learn how to repent. God wants tenderness of heart. We're going to see more of this next week. So let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the preciousness of Your Word. It is so good. Your Word is so good. Father, thank You because in Your Word we see life. Lord, thank You that You call us to believe and to pray. Father, teach us to pray more. And Father, I thank You that You filter our prayers because our hearts are wicked. I thank You, Lord, that You don't answer all our prayers at that instant with specifically, what you've asked, with specifically what we've asked for because You give us something better. And Lord, I thank You that when we delight ourselves in You, You so change our hearts to know what to desire. And then You give it to us. 
Father, I pray that you take these young people and give them hearts of prayer. Let them learn to walk in the authority that you give in Jesus Christ to speak your word, to accomplish the task that's before them. And Father, I thank you that you call us to have tender hearts and merciful hearts, to yield to your spirit, to yield to your way. And Father, thank you that you continue to pursue us and continue to place before us the areas that we need strengthened. You are a good God, gracious and holy, righteous and forgiving and merciful and kind in all things. That is you. Thank you, Father. I pray for these young people. Father, let them take hold of your word that they may have good lives. In the name of Jesus, amen.